would, turn in your Bible to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, as uh, we continue to march our way through this book, uh, reminding ourselves that Jesus is better. And I, I hope that, uh, I hope that you will forgive me, because I have once again lost my mind. Uh, I, when I originally like separated all of Hebrews out, kind of dividing it up into different portions for us to look at week after week, uh, I got to these few chapters and I thought, yes, this is good. This is thinking about uh, that Jesus is a better priest. And, and so certainly in chapters, the, the end of four and in five and in six and in seven, we see this repeated theme over and over um, and then I sat down to, to work very specifically on this sermon and I got through the first three verses and thought, that's like a sermon. And so uh, I have a tendency to do this thing where I think it's like, hey, let's try to just cram all of the good stuff into one sermon, right? Like I, I tried to preach Revelation in 10 weeks. I, I think I did it, but like, woo. Uh, or I even, I preached Song of Solomon at all. Uh, and, and so I do this sometimes, but uh, man, those, these first three verses are really, really rich. And we're gonna try to tackle those three and then all of five and all of six and all of seven. And y'all are the second hour. And so we got a lot more time. Like there's nobody coming in after you. So this is good, right? Um, I, I am thankful for this word today and for the reminders that it gives us about Jesus being a better priest. And so even though we won't be able to read every word uh, in these few chapters, I, I think overall it will be really, really helpful for us to see the whole picture. So if you would follow with me in those first three verses uh, that I mentioned. So Hebrews chapter four, but starting in verse 14. Okay, so 14, 15, and 16, follow along as I read. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin." Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, what I want to do uh, to start our kind of our time out is to help us. If we're going to say that Jesus is a better priest, it might be good for us to understand the role of a high priest. So know this, that the high priest had a very distinct purpose, right? The high priest had a distinct purpose. Some things you need to know, the high priest, like by name could be traced back to Aaron. So Aaron being considered like the first. And so uh, every high priest was appointed by God the Father. So it was given that, that this priest would be this name. It's not just happenstance. It's not given by like a genealogy. It's just the, the next son and the next son. It's appointed by God. 
And Israel, the people of Israel would have seen those appointments of high priest as uh, a picture of God's sovereign hand, of God's control, God's responsibility, God's rule and reign over the people. They would have seen it that way because it was that way and it is that way. But they would have seen God's appointment of the high priest very specifically connected to his sovereignty. The, the tasks that are connected to the high priest, a priest certainly represented the people to God, right? So stood before God on behalf of the people. And in fact, the, the role of a priest, when we think of that word priest today, uh, that role is still seen in the Catholic faith, right? Someone who would the people of the Catholic faith do not have the freedom to confess their sins directly to God. Therefore, a priest represents the people before God. That's, that's how they feel it has to work. A priest would prepare the sacrificial offerings before God. So they were the ones that were, whatever the thing that needed to be slaughtered or given grain offering or a ram or a goat, a sheep, a what, whatever it was, dove, pigeon, all of those things would have been prepared by the priest. A priest would have maintained the temple. So like uh, they would have kept incense burning. They would have offered the gifts. They would have actually even been responsible to make sure that the, the temple was clean, right? And, and orderly so that when people came in, they could be in certain parts. A priest presided over all of the public readings. So uh, in fact, uh, when, when an Israelite wanted to uh, kind of leave the faith, so to speak, that would be the first thing they would do, it was leave the presence of the priest. So they didn't want to go hear the public readings. This was a, a, they didn't want to participate in the festivals. So these would have been a significant part. So a priest had a very distinct purpose and distinct things about them. There is a priest that gets referenced in these few verses, or in these few chapters, I mean. We didn't read him about him yet, but he's coming, and his name is Melchizedek. Have you ever heard of Melchizedek? Raise your hand if you've heard of Melchizedek. Right, good job. I just said his name, so everybody's hand should be up. Everybody heard of Melchizedek? Very good, all right. So, so here's the thing, the likelihood is that if you've heard of Melchizedek, it wasn't like in the street. Like some of us heard about Noah's Ark before you ever came to church. You heard about David and Goliath. You hear about him. You hear about some of these guys outside of the church. But Melchizedek, like, like if y'all know a Melchizedek, y'all gotta let me know. Like I don't know. It's not like somebody's named after him, right? That name doesn't get passed around. Melchizedek, though, was a distinct person, right? It was a very specific person. In fact, you don't have to turn there, but you go back to Genesis chapter 14 and you get this story in particular with Melchizedek, who was the king of Salem, right? But that he brought out bread and wine. He blesses Abram by God most high, his possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Abram gave him a 10th of everything. So, so Abram is even giving to, uh, to Melchizedek to this king of Sodom. So here's what you need to know. In a short eight verses is pretty much all we get of Melchizedek. We'll get one more snippet in the book of Psalms, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then we get him again in four chapters in Hebrews. But back in Genesis, just this, he like enters and exits real fast. And he's, 
He's the king of Salem, which means he's a Gentile and that he's a pagan. And yet he gets this really unique God-given opportunity. He offers bread and wine, which kings almost never did. And according to one commentator, it says that Genesis then identifies Melchizedek as a priest of God most high. Thus, in some mysterious way, God appointed a priest from a foreign people unto himself. He then brought the foreign king who was a priest to Abraham, the one which whom God had established his covenant. Melchizedek first blesses Abraham and Abraham responds, giving him a tenth of everything. And then boom, Melchizedek's out. He just abruptly disappears. We don't hear more about him. We don't know much more about him. But then you get to Psalms. So uh, in the book of Psalms, there is Psalm 110. And uh, it, it says this, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs of the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. So this one statement, you are a priest forever by the order of Melchizedek. Here's what we need to see here in between Genesis and Psalm 110. Melchizedek is referring to both a real present time person and the concept of someone in the future. I believe we've talked about this before, that there is an already and not yet, right? That exists both, both for us in salvation, but in other uh, types of writing, especially in scripture. And Melchizedek in the Psalms was doing just that. He's referencing the already and the not yet. So Melchizedek is a real person, but he was also referencing someone who was to come, and that person is Jesus. And Jesus is where I want to spend most of our time thinking about him. Jesus has a distinct provision. I want you to, to remember what we just talked about with who uh, the high priest was. You see, Jesus, the Son of God, was also chosen by the Father. He was also established by the Father. He, he's always existed. I don't want to mis don't, don't misunderstand. He's always existed, but Jesus is given a very specific role, a specific task. And the reason we know Jesus even accepts that role, right? It's, it's in the Garden of Gethsemane when he says, right? Not my will, but your will be done. He's submitting to the authority of God the Father when it describes here from the line of Melchizedek is a reminder that Jesus was sovereignly chosen, just like Melchizedek. And, and in the same way that there was no one else, right? It's not like Melchizedek and then there was other that fo others that followed him. Like no one else comes from the line of Melchizedek. No one else comes from the line of Jesus. He was, that's why even this correlation to him in the book of Hebrews. So, Look at chapter five. 
For every high priest, verse 1, for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins just as he does for those of the people. No one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. He says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You see, Jesus was assigned this task for us. I want you to remember that that the high priest, even the high priest, would have had like, uh, to, to take those sacrifices. He would have to make sacrifices for himself. Right? Like he had sin to atone for. He had sins to, that needed forgiven. And so this is referring to that idea that even, even a Melchizedek, an Aaron, a whoever, would have gone before the Lord and, and placed the sacrifice before the Lord in this way. But Jesus did not have to do that. Jesus was appointed by God the Father to be such a priest, but it was after the order of Melchizedek, not after the order of Aaron. You see, Jesus' role had already been announced even in the book of Hebrews. Chapter two says, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Remember how we talked about that word propitiation? It's like atonement. He is the the one who atoned for our sin, who actually provided a way for us to have uh, the presence of God the Father. When it says that he, in, uh, in these verses, when it says that he passed through the heavens, verse 14 of chapter four, it explains that Jesus is currently sitting at the right hand. Think about this. This one who's described as a high priest, who even, we'll talk about this in a minute too, but even while here on earth, he was praying for us. If he was doing that while he was on earth, surely when he's right at the right hand of God, he would be speaking to him on our behalf. When it says that he is uh, in this way, that he has taken on, like that he sympathizes with us. I think back about what uh, David said just a little while ago when he was talking about not knowing what all we've been through this week. And, and I also don't know what your week has been like. I don't know what your last two weeks, two months, two years, right? But some of us, we, we come and we've got some shame, some guilt, some fear, something that we're holding on to. And usually... So look look at verse 15 again. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. See, usually when we think of the word sympathy, we think of um, a word that expresses understanding without experience. Right, um, so, so when I have sympathy, I have sympathy for someone who has lost their parent, but, but both my parents are still alive. I have, I have sympathy for someone who has lost a spouse, but my wife is still alive. 
right? So typically we look for the word empathy. It goes there, right? Like uh, I, however, I have empathy for another father of four of kids, all of which are busy and all of which like to go and do and play. I have empathy for you other fathers of four. Sympathy for the, I can, I can even have empathy for fathers of three. I've done that. Fathers of two, fathers of one. I can have empathy for all of you. Fathers of like five, six, seven, sympathy. <laughs> right? Right? Like all of that, like that goes with it. And we laugh, but like you, you see the difference between sympathy and empathy, right? But in this case, in this case, we don't have a, a savior who uh, just understands without experience. Who's just caring, loving to us. When it says sympathize here, it's like he's saying empathize. I've sat with some of you, many of you, in fact, in counseling, and you say things like, you just wouldn't understand. You don't know what it's like to be addicted or have someone cheat on you or have someone hurt you like this in this way or in that way. You wouldn't understand what the temptation to fill in the blank, right? You don't understand these temptation or, or this temptation or this struggle and, and you might be right about me. But brother and sister, hear this today. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Brother, sister, listen. Jesus walked where you've walked. He was, he's been hurt like you hurt. He's grieved like you've grieved. He's been tempted like you've been tempted. And yet he never fell short. He never failed, never sinned. And that is why in verse 16, we're reminded to go to him. Draw near to this Jesus. Hold fast to this Jesus. In fact, we go with confidence to him, verse 16. Let us then draw with, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. Remember, confidence, boldness, and courage without fear. We can go to him. Yes, because of Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you know Jesus, you are no longer condemned. You have free reign to go right before the throne of grace, the throne of the, the one who gives good things that we do not deserve, right? This is what we're talking about, the throne of grace. This one that, that Jesus who currently sits on this throne, we get to go to him who, and he gives us the good things that we do not deserve. I mean, and this is what Jesus does for us. Yes, we could, we could sing. He conquers our shame and our fear. But if we, if we sing those words, and then we walk out of here afraid. We, we walk out of here and we are still holding on to our sin. And maybe we walk out of here and we're like, 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna just keep doing my way. I'm gonna keep going, thing, going about things with my plan instead of his. I, I, I like my way, I like my plan, I like my system. See, remember, go to, go to chapter five, verse seven. That Jesus, who is sitting on at the right hand of God, right? Has he passed through the heavens, it says? So verse seven, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. He was heard because of his reverence. While Jesus was here, while on earth, he prayed for us. So certainly, he would do this for us now, right? He, he makes a way for us. See, there's a significant promise being offered. An offer of, of a promise to be our high priest so that we don't have to go to confession and sit in a booth and talk to some person, that we actually get to go directly to that throne of grace. This is the, this is the promise being offered to us. And so people receive a distinct promise. We, we have been given that. And there's kind of two ways to look at that or two ways to respond to it. One is that you can reject that promise. First part of chapter six says, let us, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ, go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, have shared the Holy Spirit, have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance. Since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him to, up to contempt. For the land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed and its end to be burned. See, what, what all of this is saying is that if you, if you are one who, in a sense, comes here week after week after week, and you've, you've been here year after year after year, or some church, and you, you hear and you do and you... you kind of spin your wheels, but you've never actually turned to Christ, then you don't, you don't get to like, like you have rejected Christ. So you don't, you don't get him as a high priest. Right? He is your high priest because you have surrendered to him. He's your high priest because you have responded to him. In fact, go, go on to, to verse 13. When God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained that promise. 
For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a, great, a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You see, in all of these passages, this, there is no one higher, no one greater than God. He can't, he can't swear by something greater than himself. So he makes an oath to himself, like with himself, you see, he is unchanging. There's nothing about God that changes. At kids camp this week, we were talking about this. Uh, and we were talking about how from generation to generation, uh, the scripture says that generation after generation, he is the same. And so we were talking about, well, so there's kids who, like the, the people's kids who have kids, who have kids, who have kids. And so generation after generation, God is the same. And so he said, and generation after generation after generation after generation after generation, God is the same. And after generation and after generation and after generation, and like I walked out of the room on the generation, like all of the generation, over and over and over. It doesn't matter if it's been 2,000 years. It doesn't matter if it's 2,000 years from now. God does not change. And this becomes so important for us to see. So if God made a promise, then he will fulfill his promise today. He will fulfill his promise again and again and again. You see, if, if this was possible, like if, if having, uh, if like getting to God the Father was possible through the Levitical priesthood, Jesus would not have come. We had to have a greater, a better priest. Aaron was insufficient. Melchizedek of old was insufficient. So verse, verse, uh, verse 11 of chapter 7, so 7, 11. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek? rather than one named after the order of Aaron. Why would there even need to be a, a better high priest? Like Jesus would have just been wasting his time if we, if we didn't need another high, if we didn't need a better high priest. If the Levitical system was working just fine, Jesus would not have left the throne, humbled himself, lived a perfect life that you and I couldn't live and then died the death that you and I deserve. He wouldn't have gone to the cross. He would have just been wasting his time. But see, in the same way that, that there is a, you, don't, you, don't, you always swear to something higher than yourself, better than yourself. So when God swears by himself, Jesus also, he is the guarantee, right? In verse 22, so 722, this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant, which we'll talk about the better covenant next week. But he's like the, like he's the stamp. 
In fact, Ephesians 1, Paul writes it this way. He says, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Like, this is what happens when you surrender yourself to Jesus. You are stamped with the guarantee that you will forever receive Jesus as your high priest. Forever and always. Like, he is the guarantee. You know, like, um, when, you, when you get uh, like insurance or whatever the thing is, right? You get insurance or you, you get a warranty. There's not just a warranty. It's like that someone else will make sure that the warranty is paid, right? There's the, there's the guarantor. There's somebody else. And so Jesus is the very guarantor of the, the, his own promise because there's not someone better. There's not someone wealthier. There's not someone richer who can make sure it'll get paid. It's him. So you... You can, today, choose to surrender your life to this priest because he never fails. Never falls, never sins, never thinks wrong, acts wrong, does wrong. Listen, these last few verses of of chapter seven. In fact, turn to those verses in chapter seven. It's 26. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weaknesses as high priest. But the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. We typically think of these biblical high priests as like the good guys. You think of Aaron, think of a good guy, right? I mean, there were times he fell, sure, but I mean, he, he, these guys were wearing those really special garments. They were, the, they were the ones that got to go into the, the Holy of Holies. They had the bells on their, on their legs, right, and rope around. So like, they got to go into the, the most special of places. They get to go on our behalf. And, and even as good as they were, they needed a better priest. And no matter how good you think you are, how much money you have given, how many prayers you have offered, how many times you showed up, you need a better priest. You need the one who will stand before the Father on your behalf. And there's a way. That way is to stop relying on yourself, your gifts, your money, your resources, your time, your energy. Stop relying on yourself. We call that repentance, turning away from your your sin, yourself, your way, and trusting in Jesus. 
fact, he is the only way, only truth, only life. So you want to get to the Father? You got to go through him. You want to stand before, you want to stand in the throne of grace for all eternity? You got to go through Jesus. So I want, to, want, want you to, to know this, that today this is offered to you. Turn away from your sin and trust in Jesus. Right where you are, you can call on Jesus. You can say, God, I, 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 I need to turn away from my ways and I need to trust in your way. And maybe there's stuff about that that's confusing or there's things that are kind of raised in your mind. And so over here to my left, there will be those that would love to talk with you, pray with you, answer questions that you might have, point you back to scripture. And so as we respond this morning, in fact, in just a moment, when we stand, if you have some of those questions, or if that's something you're doing right in your seat and you wanna tell somebody that you could kind of take next steps, then in just a moment, make your way there. And for the rest of us, we have something to celebrate. For we have a better priest. We have Jesus who is the Christ, the promised one who never fails, never does wrong, and never breaks a promise. So when he says he's on, before the Father on our behalf, he is today and forever. So may Christ be magnified in all that we say and all that we do. Would you stand with me as we respond?